So you heard from uh, Pastor Mike today that we're starting a new sermon series. And uh, we are looking at uh, the reality of what does it look like to be a fruitful congregation. And uh, today is an introduction to that message. And we'll be looking at the different points in the weeks to come. Uh, today's message in particular in this introduction, and that's what our scriptures had to do with, is come and see and go and do. Come and see and go and do. The Strait of Gibraltar. And uh, that little part of land there, um, it's quite interesting. It joins Africa and Europe, and it's only 13 kilometers across that smallest point there. And it was something to be able to stand there. I've never been to Africa, but I can say I've seen Africa. Because I had the opportunity to stand at the Rock of Gibraltar and look over at Morocco. And so I've never been to Africa, but I've seen Africa. I can actually say that now. And that was quite something to be able to look through and see Morocco right there, so close and yet so far. It, it joins the Atlantic Ocean. But you have been to Africa. You went to Egypt. Well, I have been to Egypt. I went to Egypt. There's so much I remember. Um, of course you have to truck with it. I, I bring my own heckler. It's, it's all in love. It's all in love. I bring my own heckler. You know that, right? I bring my own heckler. I didn't come with a line. white horse. Uh, where would I be without you, dear, to keep me in line? Um, and so this Strait of Gibraltar is, is there, and uh, it's quite, as I said, quite spectacular to see. Um, it was thought, though, in history to be the pillars of Hercules. They thought Hercules, they thought Hercules uh, went as far as there, but he did not go any further. And so the point was that they believed there was nothing beyond. They actually believed there was nothing beyond that point of Gibraltar across from Morocco, these pillars of Hercules. And so what they even had signs up telling the sailors and the navigators saying to them, uh, there's nothing out there beyond, so don't even bother going. This is the end of the world as we know it. And so those is why it was also known as the Pillars of Hercules. But then there was the Renaissance. And the Renaissance actually means rebirth. It was the age of rebirth. Now, I'm not a history teacher, so some of the teachers could correct me afterwards. But anyway, as far as I Google, <laughs> I'm a Google specialist. Let's put it that way. Uh, but it was the age of the Renaissance, and we call it the age of the sail. And uh, it came to a place there where they were seeking now new routes and, and seeking new adventures and new ways for trade. I mean, you could go into all kinds of details, but there was a great trade route to China. The Mongolians became in power. Now the trade route to China was no longer there, and they were looking for new trade routes to China. That's exactly why Columbus actually went through the gates, the Strait of Gibraltar, because they went out looking. He actually believed that if he went out through there, he was going to hit China. <laughs> that was his motivation for going. But see, they were not satisfied to stay where they were. They were not satisfied to believe this is the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> they were not satisfied. They had something within them that made them want to go out and, and do something new and wonderful and explore. And you know what? We're here today because of us. 
North America is here because people ventured out into the unknown and went where nobody else went before. And I want to say to you today <clears throat> that one of the earliest symbols of the church, you can actually find it carved into stone in the early tombs, is this picture of a boat, a picture of a ship at sea. It, it, it was a picture of what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. And I want to say to you today that we are also, as the church, in the age of the sail. God is, I believe, wanting to do a new renaissance. He's wanting to birth something new in the church in these days. And uh, so we know that the truth today, we at the church here at the corner, are now in uncharted waters. We have never navigated the waters of this before. Oh, this church is 100 plus years old, and it's navigated through a lot of difficult waters back in the day. But we've never been in these waters before. After and in a pandemic, an endemic. I don't know which part we are in that right now. I guess the specialists don't seem to know either. We've never been here before. We've never done this before. And so we're venturing out into new territory for the Lord, into new possibilities. And so it can be quite frightening for a lot of us, you know, to try to say, what are we supposed to do now? And there's a whole group that says, Pastor, I can't wait till it all goes back to normal. I want it back to normal. I want it in... I want to be able to sit in my comfort the way it used to be. And I want to say to you, my friends, I don't believe there is any normal we're going back to. I believe we're going forward. I believe it's the church of Jesus Christ. It's upward and forward. Always has been. Always will be. What is normal anymore? Anyway, what is normal? That's a whole other philosophical uh, discussion, which we won't have today. Aren't you tired of hearing the word unprecedented? Unprecedented. These are unprecedented data. If I had a dollar for every time a politician has told us that in the last two years, I'd be the wealthiest woman in Prince Edward I believe so. But it is true. We don't. I don't like that word. But it is true that we are in unprecedented days. And so our church has changed drastically. Drastically. Many have not returned to worship in-house. Things have changed a lot in two years. And maybe the reality is some will never come back in to worship in-house with us. And we need to realize that today. On the other hand, many people are suspicious, resistant, or even hostile towards the church. While most are simply just indifferent. Viewing the church as irrelevant and unrelated to their lives. That's the day we live in. And so today we do start this new sermon series of looking at these practices of fruitful congregations that have gone on throughout the history of the church. And it's got nothing to do uh, about what we're going on or what the church is going on. It is, it is something that goes on in every generation. These, these healthy, healthy uh, acts and practices of a fruitful congregation. And so we're going to journey in that in the next five weeks. But today, we are at this introduction. The Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations is a book by Robert Schnaz, by the way. And, uh, but we start today with uh, some of these assumptions and things that we have done as a church. And 
and, and we have done this come and see. We call that the, well, we call that the attractional, the attractional metaphor or assumption. And that passage of scripture that Pastor Mike read from Romans 15, verse 7, Paul said, welcome, in my version it says, welcome one another. Therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. See, we welcome people. That's attractional. And that's part of being part of the kingdom of God. Uh, Pastor Mike, we've been listening to some of the new Elevation music and this wonderful song, Homecoming, and this other one, Welcome Home. It's just resonated in us. This idea that we welcome people. Uh, we open up our doors. We open up our lives for people to come in and, and to enter into the church and to be a part of our worshiping community. But with each passing decade, attracting people to a place of worship has become increasingly more difficult. Even with excellent music, quality worship, great preaching, <laughs> fewer people make an effort to attend, even those the faithful. Trying to draw them back in week after week is even harder. Today, it is said in North America that you're a faithful person, uh, a faithful member of your church if you show up once in six weeks or eight weeks. People are wondering why the numbers are down in the church. If everybody showed up every Sunday, our numbers would be higher. Just do the math. This is the day we live in. That, you know, what are we to do in the midst of all of this? Attracting those who have no experience with faith or church is even harder. <coughs> A lot of people harbor mistrust. Have you ever had people who don't attend church? They'll say, well, what do you do there? Why would you do that? Why do you go? They can't even seem to understand why people would even want to go to church. And so this attractional model that we've used over the years, come and see, that fruitfulness relies on how well we do. How well are we as a church at inviting and welcoming and including people and supporting newcomers. And so we conclude as a church often, well, we'll just do that better. And if we just keep doing it better, and if we work harder on our worship services, and, 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 and you know, if we do more programs and do them well, well, then people will just show up, right? It's not working like it used to work. And we know that. Somebody had this in his book, he mentioned this assumption that many churches believe. Well, we're just going to pray for 12 new Christian families to move into the community, and out of those 12 new Christian community <coughs> households, eight of them will come to our church. And after they come to our church, six of them will come back. And after six of them come back, maybe four of them will become members. And you know, like somebody says, we don't put that in writing. But it's kind of a crazy assumption that we have. And I love this term. I've used it before. The dreaded Tawadi. Turn to somebody and say Tawadi. Tawadi. Say it again. That's the way we've always done it. Some of you should know this because we've mentioned it before. Well, pastor, it was good enough for me. I, I've gone to church, I've showed up, i found Jesus, and, and it was good enough for me, so it should be good enough for them. You know, Tawadi, that's the way it's always been. That's the way we've always done it. And if we're not careful, we can get stuck 
in that way. But what do we do when people no longer trust institutions, never mind the church? Or becoming a member of anything <laughs> is unappealing to a lot of people. Or the culture around us provides an ever-increasing number of wonderful, great activities, competing activities to do on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. What do we do when our church is now surrounded by people from away? Hello? We're from away. Some of us are from away. Oh, pastor, there's all kinds of neighbors moving in, and you know what? I don't know them. Well, praise the Lord, he's put the mission field right at your door. <laughs> Go and get to know them. But no, what do we do when we meet and more people, multiculturalism and people seem to be from away? What would want them to show up in our place of worship? See, that's that come and see, that welcoming. But there's also the practice of and the assumption, go and do. We call that missional. We say out of that scripture, I will go and do the things that the Lord has commanded. So there is that place to welcome, but there is that place to also go and do. Jesus said, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. See, missional go and do is we're moving away from where we are and stepping now out into uncharted territory. That new neighbor, I don't know them, I've never talked to them before. That new ministry, what was always, I did everything always inside the church, and yet God is asking us to go out now and connect with people. You know, the Great Commission, we're told what? What's the first word? Go. Go. Well, what about this group? Can you say that with me? The nuns, the, the duns, and the ums. Say it again. The nuns, the duns, and the ums. How are we ever going to reach them? See, there's an ever-increasing number of people in our community that will never step through our doors. That'd be the last thing they would ever think about doing on a Sunday. The nuns are those that when they fill out a survey and you ask them their religious affiliation, they actually tick off the box. None. They do not see themselves to have any religion. They do not see themselves connected to any denomination or any church. There are the nuns, and they are all around us. They are all around West Prince. And then you have the duns. Oh, the duns are the ones who used to attend church, but they're turned off church. Or some of them have just turned off what they have heard others experience of church because it's been neg negative. Uh, they're done with uh, organized religion. How many of you heard that? I'm done with organized religion. I don't have a problem with Jesus. I just have a problem with the church. Well, by the way, the church is his bride that he's returning for. I've said that often to people. There is no such thing as loving Jesus and not loving his bride. <laughs> the church. But they don't know that. They're, they're tired of the scandals and the exclusionary practices of the church. And they see the church as irrelevant 
into their lives. And Christianity Today has come up with this new group from the pandemic, and they're called the ums, and they're not like the nuns or the duns. These are Christians who want to come back to church, but they feel stuck. There are a lot of young people that if you were to talk to today, love Jesus and say they want to be part of the church, but they're really not plugged in right now to any church. And they're in a funk. And they don't know where to go. And they don't know how to begin to connect. And where would they connect? Where would they fit in? Would they be loved and accepted? And I was thinking as you listen to this today, some of us all pretty, all pro probably already know some nuns, some duns, and some ums. Right around us and in our own lives. People that we could be praying for and asking the Lord to show us. See, this attractional model, this come and see, this need to be welcoming, inviting, is helpful and necessary to fulfill the mission of Christ. It's, it's most, I mean, I've been in churches that have not been welcoming. I, I had the experience one time when I was a mission president. I traveled from a Toronto area up north. I won't say where. But I traveled up north to a little country church. And as I went into that country church to do the Sunday evening service, I got stared down. Yeah. Like I walked into the church that Sunday night and I didn't get a welcome. I got stared down. If, if, if uh, I would have, if I wasn't the speaker that night, I probably would have got up and left. And then the pastor got up and said, oh, it's so wonderful today to have Reverend Betty Zita here. And she's going to be our mission speaker for this evening and bring the message. And everybody turned around and smiled at me. I said, oh, God, help us. God, God help us. Right? <coughs> so being welcoming in a church, hear me right, this attractional is important. <laughs> and, and our stewards have been working and doing such a wonderful job, and our ushers, and that's one of the beautiful things about the pandemic, is, is we've got a great group of greeters and ushers that minister to us and do wonderful things for us. And so that's important to be able to welcome people. But we need to realize that we also, as a church, need to be involved in missional activities. We need to be doing things as a church that doesn't benefit us. Did you hear me? Because often, if you're not careful, church activities and church programs and our motivation is, well, this is good. This is good for my family. This is good for my grandbabies. This is good for us. I like that worship, and I like this activity, and I like now hear me right, as a church we're here to minister to one another as the body of Christ. Those things are good. But that can't be the only thing we're about. We also need to be about doing ministry that has nothing to do about us and all about him and his kingdom. I got very quiet here all of a sudden. You know, I, I want to share the example of Jesus, right? We call ourselves Christians, little Christs, that we're following Christ, and Christ is our example. And Jesus, our Lord, did teach in the synagogue. He sat in the synagogue. People gathered around him in the synagogue. But Jesus didn't just sit and remain in the synagogue and say, here I am, come see me. 
Because we know he also went out from the synagogue and he went out to where people were and where people lived and, and he lived among them and he talked to them and he had these encounters with people, real places, engaged with real people. Uh, I love this statement that somebody said, in their houses, at their dinner tables, in the grain fields, farmers, and in their fishing boats, <laughs> Jesus went to where people were. And he listened and taught as they mended their nets, traded in the marketplace, walked beside the sea, moved through crowded streets, and they journeyed together along the road. Jesus met people right where they were, engaging them where they actually lived and worked, and also wherever they were spiritually, in all walks of life. I like what somebody said. He practiced hospitality while he himself had no place to lay his head. Jesus stepped into the lives of people, all types, Jews and Gentiles, women and men, neighbors and strangers, and the up and coming and the down and out. And even though his disciples often even tried to stop him. He crossed borders literally and figuratively, speaking to the woman at the well despite her being a foreigner, dining with tax collectors even though they were considered traitors, healing on the Sabbath over the objection of the Pharisees, intervening on behalf of the woman accused of adultery at the risk of his own life. None of these people were ever going to show up in the synagogue, and if they had tried to show up in the synagogue, they would have been turned away and not welcomed. That's the example of our Lord. See, when we start to talk missional focus, there is an uneasiness, a restlessness that begins to happen in our hearts and lives because it's pushing us out of that comfort zone into a world of hurting people who need to hear about Jesus and that he loves them and need to experience God's grace. And so the challenge for us as a church in these days is, yes, attractional. Yes, let's get it right. Let's be welcoming. Let's do what we need to do in-house as we gather together. But we also need to do this other part where we need to become the newcomers, where we need to step out of our comfort and go into places where I'm the new one stepping into that group. Because I'm going now as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, bringing Christ with me wherever I might go. Ray Oldenburg talked about third places. And third places, right? And this was 30 years ago as a sociologist, he talked about these third places. First place is our home, second place is our place of work, and third places are those places in the community that are gathering spaces. The first two places is where we spend most of our time. But where we get that sense of community are in those third places. A sense of belonging, our connection to others, our identity, and our sense of responsibility towards others. Such places are essential for knitting together the fabric of the community. And so we're thinking about West Prince, the fabric of the West Prince community. These places are crucial for us. There was a day when the church was that third place. 
right? Everything that seemed to happen in the community happened in and through the church. And I want to tell you, we can, we can mourn over that. We can talk about that. We can say, oh, those used to be the good old days when the church was the center of everything. But I want to tell you today, kumbaya is not going to save souls. And, and yes, things have changed. And we are not that third place. We are for some of us, but for most in our greater community, they do not see the church as that third place. So we need to follow the words of Jesus and intentionally go. Oldenburg describes, I want you to think now when I say these, Oldenburg describes several key characteristics of these third places. There are no economic barriers to entrance. There is food and drink. The space is highly accessible. There's the regulars who are usually present and newcomers who are welcomed and received with ease. There is a quality of neutral space. The dominant mode of communication is wonderful conversation. And the mood is playful. This is the list that he throws out there just to get your mind thinking of them. Third places include coffee shops, I'd say, the bakery, fitness centers, sports leagues, computer gaming places, bowling alleys, dog parks, neighborhood associations, running groups, country clubs, yoga studios, online communities, hiking trails, libraries, community centers, and meeting uh, places of hobbyists of various sorts, including birders and quilters and gardeners and fishing enthusiasts and photographers and bikers and blacksmiths and those who uh, uh, participate in service organizations, resort communities, renaissance fairs, orchestras, community chorals, martial arts studios, and places where people share a common interest. Get the idea? They're all randoms. Some of you today already participate in what we would call a third group. You are already involved in those third places. Places where people know one another and welcome one another by name and foster rich relationships that begin with a common connecting interest. Quilting. You see, ultimately the Lord doesn't care what it is. As long as it's something that, you know, honors him and it's not going to cause you as a believer to lose your witness. But all those places of common interest where we would find ourselves is the very place that Christ would send you now to bring the gospel. That he would say, go. As my ambassadors into these third places where you find yourself throughout the week, whether it be in the gym or a martial art place or wherever you might be, God is wanting to use you right there. I remember in our church plant in Switzerland, we were all young adults there. We were the older ones. They used to call me Mama Zita because I would take care of them, and I was only in my early 30s then. And, and, and these guys were young, and man, they were vibrant in their faith. I couldn't keep up with them even in my 30s. I definitely wouldn't be able to keep up with them now. But what was amazing is if somebody, they had a connection with somebody, they had a group that would run every morning. They'd go on a run. And it was the best tool that Christ could ever use for his church. Because they would meet people and they'd say, you like to run? Oh yeah, I like to run. Boy, we run every morning. You know that? 
and here was a group from the church that would run every morning. I definitely wasn't going to get out there and run with them at 6 a.m. in the morning. But they liked that, and they did it, and they did it well. Well, there were people that would come to faith because they ran together in the morning, because it was in their running and stopping and taking a few moments together that they shared their faith and they shared their life. And before you knew it, the person that they invited running with them wanted to know who this Jesus is that they seem to talk about. This is what we're talking about in these third places. This is what it means as a church in our day to be missional. As I've been sharing about this, some of you have turned right off because you said, no pastor, I'm fine with the attractional. I'm going to sit and I'll pray that people come, but that's all I want. I don't want this. I don't want to hear this. This is not, I've already turned you and tuned you out. But some of you, and I believe it, have already been told by the Holy Spirit these third places in your life that God is saying, I could use you there. You think you've been doing it for your own benefit. But it is in that very place that I could use you there in a very powerful way. If you just want to go and shine your light there and be my representative, my ambassador, right there. I pray that the Holy Spirit points things out to you. I said in my annual report, you can find us most Saturday mornings at the bakery. The bakery is the third place for us. Saturday mornings, we are welcomed as pastors. It's Mike and Betty there. And once in a while, they'll ask a religious question. But usually we go in, and we have great fellowship, and we have breakfast together on a Saturday morning in the bakery, building bridges and building relationships with people. Do you know it's hard for us as pastors? Because most of our life is based where? It's about church life. And so as pastors, we have to be intentional in trying to build relationships out in the community. I want to challenge you today that that's also your responsibility. And you don't have to do something new. The Holy Spirit is saying, you're already there. You're already involved. You already have these third groups that you're a part of. Just invite me in and begin to pray and allow me to do what I want to do in those spaces and in those places. And so as we bring this to a close this morning, this introduction, it's not one or the other. It's not, oh, you know, it's all about attractional, but it's not all about missional either. We need both of these together in these days as we navigate as a church through days that don't make a lot of sense to us and we struggle with. We, we need to say, Lord, I like my comfort. I like the idea that, as we talked last week, the holy shuffle. I shuffle in, and I shuffle out. Oh, and I pray, but I shuffle in, and I shuffle out. And, you know, it's comfortable. <laughs> but we know we're not being honest to our calling. And what God is asking us to do in this day. And I praise God for what he's done in this church. I've said that over and over again, over a hundred years. He has been faithful, he has seen this church through, and he has worked mightily. And we hear the stories of times of renewal and revival. And a lot of you are in faith today because of that move of God. Are we sitting and saying that's all God was ever going to do? I don't believe it. I never believed it. I believe that God is wanting to do one of the greatest moves of his spirit and revival that he's ever done. But we need to realize we are in uncharted territory. 
We are working as a church now in a day that's very different. And it's not like it used to be. And we need to follow these active verbs of Jesus that told us to go and tell and teach and pray and give and heal and love, forgive and baptize. And that's not just me sitting back in my comfort, which is okay. There's a place for that. But it also means that I am willing to go. There was a story of a church And the church people would sit there and they would say repeatedly, why don't those people come to church? I don't understand. They repeated this often because there was right next door a trailer park. And they did a few things and they put on some programs and they went and handed out flyers and they tried to invite the people from the trailer park to the church and it didn't work. Nothing seemed to happen there. And then finally one day a few members got an idea that they would take their crock pots and they would take food over to the trailer park and sit down and have a meal with some of the people in the trailer park. And this began to lead to deeper conversations and deeper friendships and the folk from the church, instead of coming to tell them what they should be doing, actually went to listen and learn from the people. As time went on, they were invited to bring some singing and to bring some prayers. And so they began to pray for the people as they ate from their crock pots in the trailer park. And so the people from the church began to understand more the low-income conditions, what their neighbors were living with. And so they went back to the church and inspired them to build better restrooms for the residents. And the church eventually built a small amphitheater right there in the middle of the trailer park. And more than 70 people meet there regularly to attend their services. See, to reach the people in the trailer park required that everyday disciples reconceptualize what they were doing and their mission. Was their primary goal to get people to come into their sanctuary, to join them in their church, in their worship, in the songs they like and the way they like to do it? Or was it for God to send them out on a mission field every week to build relationships where people right are, right in their lives? Was it to make people into members of a church? Or was it to form people into followers of Christ? You know, I'm happy to tell you that today the Crock-Pot ministry continues and continues to bear fruit as lives are changed by God's grace right in that trailer park week after week. Now, don't go out tomorrow and say, okay, pastor, where are we bringing these Crock-Pots? That's one example of a church hearing what God was telling a group of them to do. And this introduction is just to get us thinking, to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to percolate and bubble ideas in our hearts and lives, and just to say, Lord, here I am. I don't know what you would have me do in the greater community. I don't know what you'd have me do in my running group or what you'd have me do in the gym where I go to work out. I don't know what you'd have me do, but here I am, Lord. I'm open. I'm willing to be your ambassador. I'm willing to do and be what you've called me to do and be. 
A ship in harbor is safe. But that is not what ships are built for. Oh, you could be a farmer with a beautiful warehouse with lots of very expensive equipment. You could make it a museum. We could all come and look at your fancy equipment. But that's not what the equipment was made for. It's made to be out in the field, working the soil. Same thing with the boats, could be all docked up down there in Northport. We could walk around and look at the names and say, my, isn't that a pretty boat? Oh, that's a new one, that's just made. Isn't that nice? Those boats weren't made for that. What were they made for? To be out on the sea catching fish. And so we today, as the ship of Allensdale Church of the Nazarene, the boat, the Church of Christ, yes, there's a place to be in harbor, there's a place to be here in comfort, there's a place to get fed, there's a place to get rested, there's a place to get encouraged, but praise God, every week, like a ship on the sea, we are sent out by God's grace to do and be all that he's called us to do and be. I believe with everything within my being that we in the church today are entering a new age of the sail. And I believe that God is wanting to do things that we have not even dreamed or imagined yet. And some of us are going to need to get behind it in prayer. Some of us aren't going to be able to do it. We're just physically going to say, Pastor, we can't, we can't do it. We can't go out and do that. But we can get on our knees and pray for it. And we can support people. And we can encourage one another. And so I want to encourage you today. Let's pray together. Let's ask God. What would you have us do in this day? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Praise God. It is about come and see. It is about being welcoming. It's about being hospitable. But praise God today, it's also about us going and doing. And we've also, I know that Marvin always said, Pastor, we need to do it. We haven't done it yet. That sign over the door that says, you are now entering your mission field. Every week that you come and every week you leave those doors, you are now entering your mission field for this week. And I pray that you feel commissioned and you feel empowered and you feel sent. And we're looking forward together of hearing good report of what God's been doing. Not in here. It's great to hear about what God's doing in here. But let's hear about what God's doing out there for his namesake. Would you stand? You don't look thrilled. I must say. I can see now because you don't have a lot of you don't have your mask on. Right? Lord, we love our comfort. I must say that some of us have been really comfortable through the pandemic. Some even enjoy when you watch TV at home in your jammies and a cup of coffee. And, uh, but Lord, that's not what we've been made for as the Church of Jesus Christ. There are some that cannot get out to worship, and we understand that. And we want to bring church to them. But, Lord, we realize that it's nice to be able to be comfortable. And some of us, as we get older, some, they say one of the worst things of, of middle age is that we love our comfort. And so, God, I, I pray that you would help us today to have new visions and new dreams, that you would awaken something in us. I pray, Lord, it would not be, well, when the church does that, I'll come along and maybe show up and support it. 
And Lord, what we're talking about today is each one of us coming before you openly and saying, God, what would you have me do? Maybe it's just to befriend somebody and to listen and to sit across the table and have a coffee with them and to pray with them if they would allow us to. And so, Lord, give us eyes. But I pray today more than anything. It's not about what should I do, I need to go do now. The pastor said I need to go do. It's about being open to have the eyes of Jesus, open to have the heart of Jesus. It's about bringing Jesus into every circumstance and place that we would find ourselves. And so, Lord, give us the eyes to see. Give us the hearts to feel. Give us the hands to do and touch. Give us the feet to go, I pray. Help us, Lord, in these days. We don't know what we're doing. But the truth of it is we never did. You did it all. We were only here to be your servants. And it was all for your glory. And right now, Lord, you're making us trust you more. You're making us step out into the unknown. You're making us uncomfortable. But that's okay, Lord. Because we believe today in the name of Jesus, many souls, many nuns and duns and ums will be one for your kingdom. Yes. Because we're willing to be obedient to your voice. And so help us here today as the Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene. Bless all the churches, Lord. We pray the same for them in West Prince today. It's our desire that all of us, Lord, would see this mighty renewal and revival that you're wanting to do in our day. But you're wanting to do it through us. And so help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen.